for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Will Wood with us. How's it going today, Will? It's going well, man. How about you? Doing pretty good. You know, it's it, it's just been a warm day in, you know, Texas. We're, we're, we've got the whole COVID situation just kind of tearing us down all around so it's like all right i'm gonna stay in today i'm not gonna go even deal with this shit pretty rough in texas right now yeah yeah um Um, so first off before we go too deep i want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast i really appreciate really appreciate you coming on um how are things going out in new jersey how are things looking um covid wise or just in general both let's go with both oh yeah uh covid wise you know um Honestly, I haven't had to adjust much. I've always been a bit of a homebody and social distancing is just a personality trait for me. Mm. Um, you know, so I haven't had to do much, but uh, I've got a friend who just came down with that. I have another friend who had it. And, um, you know, so it's still kind of spooky because when it first hit the States, New Jersey became like a real epicenter. It's mm. finally started to go down a little bit, but then when the governor opened it back, opened up the, opened up the economy again, everybody, you know, stormed the streets and you, you go around, people are just like, going out to eat and just like spitting each other's mouths and you know um so it's a little bit spooky again you know ebbs and flows um but you know overall it's uh i'm lucky enough to be able to live in one of the areas in in new jersey that nobody would think of as being new jersey because most people they think new jersey and they just think of a tangle of highways and um you know roundabouts and turnarounds and bridges and tunnels and uh gas stations and garbage and um but there is a part of New Jersey that is not well known, partially because nobody lives here. Um, but in the northwest corner of New Jersey, just where it's it's pretty much Pennsylvania, there is this beautiful, beautiful area that is just the most gorgeous woods. Um, just it's just beautiful out here, and I'm lucky enough to, be able to live in a place that is just like you know, kind of like my my dream world over here. Mm. So. Um, I count myself pretty lucky also far away from the virus because there's like six people in this town. So, you know, um, but things are going pretty well. That's good. That's good. Um, you live in Waco? Yeah, I'm in Waco, Texas. And as far as like Waco goes, I, I think people are doing their best to kind of just pretend like it's not happening. Like they're Mm. just trying to, as much as they can just kind of go on about their day but unfortunately a lot of the bars and uh that type of stuff are closed down so it's like you can only go back to normal so much if you know it's a hard line to walk because you want to stay safe and you want to make sure that your loved ones are safe because of it but at the same time you're dying to just live your life you know um and sometimes you absolutely just have to live your life whether you're a quote-unquote essential worker or you're just a human being you know, it's, it's a tough situation. I think everybody's really, uh, you know, I know that even myself, I was saying I'm a huge homebody and 
you know, I am just a generally asocial person. Um, even myself, I find myself just dying to go to the mall. Mm -hmm. I'm dying to descend into the stinking pits of the absolute worst hellfires of capitalism because I'm that bored, you know? Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, I'm just, uh, you know, um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, I mean, what are you going to do? You know, just yeah. try, and, try and keep your head above water, yeah? You know, I had a very similar insight about two weeks ago. I was sitting here, mm -hmm. I was like, you know, about six months ago, I wouldn't care that I stayed essentially been secluded and staying home because I'm very much introverted myself. Mm. And now it's just like, dang, there, there's a show happening down in Austin. I kind of want to make that two hour trip. Yeah. But now Texas is putting travel restrictions yeah. in place and it's like, all right. Well, I guess I'm not, you know. I mean, what are you going to do, you know? For all you know, you would have caught COVID at the show anyway. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's probably for the best. But, you I know. I went down happy, though. What? I would have went down happy, though. There you go. Die with a smile on your face. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. I get Every once in a while, there's a bar that's uh, maybe like a quarter mile from my apartment. And every once in a while, I hear stories that they'll have like a a show, but not really promote it. Mm -hmm. and so I might, if I hear wind of another one, I might try and go to one of those just because it's like literally across the street. And so it's like, you're just trying to live your life. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. And it's just hard. like you keep bringing up living your life. It's like, if you think about, all right, so right now we are. Yeah, we're almost five months into this at this point. Um, yeah, how to be? Yeah, yeah. And it's no, don't, don't don't get the wrong idea though. I'm not sitting here, you know, trying to advocate for like the ah, live your life, go out there, this thing's no, overblown or anything no, like no, that. No, I, no, I, I get because that. for some reason that's become a political opinion, and yeah, I don't I, want people tuning in to think I'm some kind of Trumpy or something. I'm just. But, no, 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 yeah. no. I 100% get it. So the point I was bringing up was everything that I'm reading as far as like, because I'm technically, quote unquote, an essential worker, but mm -hmm. I can do my job from home. So how essential am I really? I work for a TV station. So that that's how essential I am. Um, and they're not they're talking about us possibly not going back to the office until January. Originally, it was supposed to be September, but then everything spiked again. And now they're like, maybe January? Who know, You know, who knows? And it's like, okay, that'll put us almost at a year. And if you think, how much have you changed from today to a year from or a year prior to today? So yeah, like yeah. this time last year, how much have you changed? Fair amount. And just think about putting that year on hold, not being able to do anything. Like, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, we've kind of like just like lost a year to the void. Yeah, um, absolutely. Wild, so wild times, my man. Yeah, absolutely. And so, not to make this the whole COVID podcast, but you know, it, it's very much a current affair, and I feel like we have to talk about it almost every day. Just yeah, because. it's 
it's a dark cloud over everyone's heads. Um, the uh, the only hesitancy I have uh, about getting too much into the guts of the COVID conversation is, like I said, for some reason people have decided it's a political issue, and I don't like to talk about politics. Yeah, um, same here. Same so, here. Um, Sorry, very much same here. And you know that for the longest time on our podcast, that we only ever had two rules on this podcast. Mm -hmm. It was no politics, no religion. Smart. And basically, beat. you already know why those were the rules. And then we started have, having to pull back our strong standpoint on the no religion aspect because we started to realize, oh, a lot of the musicians we're bringing on are so deeply rooted into religion or they got their start in the church. So it's like, okay, well, we got to pull that back a little bit. And then politics, like the last five months, like we've been talking you know, everything's become so political, it's kind of hard not to talk a little bit about politics, if, unless we're just yeah. not going to talk about current affairs at all, you know? Right. It's interesting. Uh, I, I, you know, um, you, you bring up that rule and how you had to pull back on the rule. I would have expected that the reason you had to pull back on the rule about talking about uh, religion uh I would have thought to myself first, oh, you started like interviewing too many punk bands who wouldn't shut up, <laughs> you know, um, for you to say like it was it actually you started talking to a lot of people who can't come from a really religious place in their work. And I think that's really interesting. It's such a, you know, I don't know, man, I, I guess I come from a scene that is so, I come out of a scene and I, I started up in a scene where if you told people that you were religious, it, you stay away from that, you know? Yeah. Um, the, uh, so, you know, just like bashing Christianity was just like, well, that's that's just conversation. Yeah. And, you know, so it's interesting um, how many different types of people out there really all engage with music in yeah. all the different genres and how many people connect, how many different types of people can connect with music in the same deep sort of way. Because whether you're, um, you know, uh, a believer, whether you are a person of faith, uh, or you're one of these crazed, you know, anti-religious types, um, you're still, um, you know, um, it's, it still comes back to it being about the music, you know? Um, am I making sense? I feel like I'm yeah, bad. No, no, you're making perfect sense. Um, and I mean, that's not to say that we still don't have that rule because we're not going to just sit here and let anybody come on and say, hey, you need to come hang out with me at the yeah. first have you heard the good news. Yeah. Like taking a, have you heard the good news standpoint? We're not going to let that happen. But right. like, if they go on like a little journey about how religion got them into music or singing in the choir, we're not going to sit there and just start muting their mic because right. that's part of their story, you know? Right. So you got to let people speak their truths. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I guess it's a tough, uh, tough balance to keep probably yeah a little bit a little bit but speaking of letting people speak their truths what's your origin story what got you into music you know stuff of that nature um well i'm sorry i you know it's it's one of those things where um, I've been asked this question, you know, so many times, because that's the first question you get asked. Um, and, um, and, and I've never, 
liked answering it because I think I'm just really afraid that I might just be boring. Okay. I think, you know, there's, there's like this part of me that has this urge to come up with some ridiculous story. Um, and I've done that a number of times. I've developed a little bit of a reputation for just making stuff up in interviews uh, at, you know, if for no other reason than to just hopefully sell more records yeah. because there's a little bit of a more fun story to it. Um, and then when I found, you know what, maybe that's a little bit too far. I won't make stuff up anymore. I won't tell half the world that I have a daughter that doesn't exist. Um, I ended up, you know, not quite committing to reality and uh, still continuing to say things about, oh yeah, you know, I took lessons from a retired old ballet, a ballerina who would whack my knuckles with a wrist until I could play Rachmaninoff blindfolded with both, with both hands tied behind my back. You know, like, um, those like, sound it, like those are some mid, old school Midwest stories that my parents used to say. Yeah. Like back in my day, yeah. We used to walk up, we used to go to school walking uphill both ways with snow up to our eye, you know, that, yeah. that sort of scenario. Yeah. I, um, when it comes down to it, um, I have this, uh, I have this urge to try and give you some fascinating origin story. But the reality of how I got into music is just, I think it's, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm judging myself by like Josh Tillman and Tom Waits standards. Mm -hmm. And I'm expecting some grandiose story. Like I, if I'm gonna be a legitimate singer songwriter, I gotta have some, oh, I had a revelation on ayahuasca for, that a Canadian shaman gave me. And I came yeah. back with a false moniker that I now wear as a, you know, whatever. Um, or I was born in a taxi cab in 1947. And, you know, um, like maybe I'm, maybe there's, maybe there's like a weird singer songwriter insecurity there. Yeah. Um, uh, or maybe it really is as banal as I'm afraid it was, as it is. Uh, is. Um, I guess my backstory is that um, I was a, uh, can I cuss? Yeah, it, go for it. Go for uh, it. I was a fucked up kid with some real, fucking issues yeah. and the most effective way at the time at least i found uh to um no, no i'd say it's still the, still the most effective way um eh, i don't know i can never tell when i'm lying to myself um or to someone else um that's not true or maybe i guess maybe it is because i just said that um i, I lost my own train of thought by uh, uh through my self-deprecation i just derailed my own train of thought um, I should hire a new conductor. What was it that I was saying? Um, oh, I was a fucked up kid and, and yeah. uh, I used music to cope. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Isn't it interesting that I could have just said that right off the bat instead of going on that huge series of tangents through? No, it was perfect. Problems. It was, you know what though? You were talking about wishing or uh, how you like to make up like alternative uh, realities about how you got into music. I'm sure there's a way to do that. Like, as, as far as, like, as long as you keep it consistent and then you become known as that guy that's, like, playing a character anytime you hit the stage. Mm -hmm. So it's like, on stage, you're Will Wood, the guy that got or brought into music because he was raised by an abusive nun that wouldn't <laughs> let him, you know, like, yeah. whatever the random scenario is or you were abandoned on this, you know, like j coming up, whatever the scenario is. And that just kind of becomes a part of your act. And then I don't know. I I'm sure there's a way you could do it. Well, you know, I have, 
it's it's I've always been attracted to that kind of thing. Um, I've always found David Bowie to be a fascinating character. Um, you know, I, I bring up Tom Waits again. You know, all these these big uh, these legendary singer songwriters with these larger than life uh, personas. Um, uh, I've always really found the whole thing fascinating. And I think I watched, uh, I, I, I think I was too enthralled by Jim Carrey and Man on the Moon too many times. And um, uh, maybe watched a little bit too much Eric Andre as well. So I, start, I, I definitely had a period uh, of my career where I was very much committing to this idea of playing a character um, but I would end up playing this character that, um, well, I didn't know where I ended and the character began. Mm. And I think there's always an element of that to being a performer. There's always going to be this strange in-between space of, you know, is this me? Is this really me? Is this Will Wood? Um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I think... I think that's just part of being on stage, part of being public. I mean, I, I guess everybody has it, you know, um, because we're all someone different alone than we are in front of other people. Um, and you're a different person in front of your parents than you are in front of your girlfriend. Uh, you're a different person in front of your brother than you are in front of your uh, accountant, you're a different person in front of your girlfriend than you are in front of your dog, hopefully. Um, and, you know, there's, um, it's identity and the idea of a singular self, a cohesive singular object that resides within, I think is more a construct of language and social mechanics than it is a, uh, it's a, a, an element of human nature. I think that we connect dots between um, memories and habits, and uh, we just tie them to our conscious awareness in the moment and go, yes, this is me. When in reality, all of your cells are being replaced every few fucking days, and uh, where you end and where your life begins, where you know, the separation between you and your instrument, between you and your loved ones, between you and what you do, um, who you are and what you do, it's, it's, it's malleable, it's always in flux. And so the, um, wow, where, where am I going with this? Um, uh, I guess what I'm saying is playing a character is a hard thing to define. Mm -hmm. And I've spent a lot of time trying to find the character that I could commit to. But then I discovered that any character that I was able to commit to uh, was the same as the person who I was when I'm not in character. That's not to say I had the same traits, but yeah. rather it was the same unreal. It was yeah. the same illusion uh, yeah. just in a different mask. And so I don't really practice playing a character anymore. But I, I do experiment. Um, I have to, yeah. um, you know, uh, consciously alter my presentation at times, my mannerisms, uh, in order to um, get the most out of a performance or a relationship with a 
with an audience. Um, and uh, sometimes it's not conscious. As a matter of fact, I'd say for the most part, it's instinctual. It just, it kind of takes over. You hit the stage and whether you want to or not, somebody new comes out. Um, and uh, once again, I have no idea where I was going with that. Um, oh, it's all good. It's all good. Oh. I flat my brain on too much acid. So I, um, you know, uh, I, in case you couldn't tell, um, but, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, so. no, it's all good. Um, do you remember what was the first album you listened to that really spoke to you musically? That was like, okay, this is something that I fuck with. This is something that I want to pursue. Do you remember, was there a specific album or maybe just a specific song? You know, I look as far back as I can in my memory to like my childhood, my relatively early childhood. And I remember uh, my mom's copy of Abbey Road on cassette. And I also remember, um, I remember having Camille Saint-Saëns, if that's how the name is pronounced, I might be butchering it, uh, Carnival of the Animals on cassette. Um, and I remember hearing uh, Les Mis on cassette. And I remember really, those really uh, being very compelling to me, uh, particularly, you know, with particular songs sticking out. Um, but I think the first time I ever heard an album and went, wow, this is me, or heard a song and went, wow, this is me, was probably Green Day's American Idiot. Um, sure. You know, I was, what, 12 or 13 when that thing came out. And, you know, I was of the generation that uh, that album really captured, somehow really captured the zeitgeist stuff. I mean, I guess that's just post 9-11 America. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, we all changed very quickly after that. And, um, and our culture changed immensely after that. And I think that there was a lot of anger and fear and a lot of that anger and fear, um, you know, I, I guess, I guess Billy Joe Armstrong sensed it himself and felt it himself and channeled it and channeled it through his songwriting in a way where even young people could go, yes, this is me as well. Um, and so I adore that record. I, uh, I like to, <laughs> the people who like, you know, are particularly familiar with my music, you know, they'll, you know, like, uh, they'll know that a lot of my stuff is pretty out there, uh, a little, um, what's the word looking for? Uh, a little left of field, is that the phrase? Um, uh, left of center. Um, it's weird. Uh, and uh, to some people inaccessible. And so I like to watch people's heads explode when I tell them my biggest influence is Green Day. Um, you know, I, I, I love that stuff. I think Billy Joe Armstrong is, has one of the strongest melodic instincts of the last 50 years. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, musically, of course, they're not my biggest influence. But yeah. certainly, I think that was probably the first record. I think that probably is my answer is probably American Idiot. Okay. And I mean, that that's not as crazy as somebody coming in and saying, like, Miley Cyrus or you know just something like just something like really random left field like that you know it's, it's it's funny you bring that up because when I went out and bought American Idiot that was the first album that I bought but I also buy alongside Black Eyed Peas, Ella Funk and Gwen Stefani's Love Angel Music Baby 
So there's still a little bit of that going on there too. Eh, it happens. Um, I, I was just, as you were talking about that, um, uh, getting introduced to American Idiot and you know, just, like all that stuff. I was thinking about. I so I asked you the question: What was the first song or the first album that like really spoke to you as a musician? And as you were speaking, I automatically started reverting back to the first time that I thought one thing was some. So basically the scenario was what really got me into like a deeper connection to music was back when I was a little kid, me, my sister and my mom used to sing the song war by Edwin Starr, the yeah. whole war. What is it good for? And yeah. that Christmas, I wanted to buy her that CD, except I didn't, all I knew was the name of the song was war. I didn't know who it was by. Mm -hmm. And so I went to circuit city back when circuit city was open or was still a thing. And I ended up buying war, the band, their one of their albums randomly and it had lowrider on it and so like yeah so it was just like the, i was a stupid like 10 year old kid and my mom's like well thank you but this isn't this isn't what you think it is and i'm like oh okay <laughs> and so one day i just put it in the out or the cd player and one of the first songs that came on was lowrider and i'm like yo, this song's awesome. Like, who are these people? Like, what are, What the hell did I just bought, you know? And so, yeah, little side note, little funny side story that I thought was funny and needed yeah, to be on record. Fun. Yeah. So, but, no, it's not, that's not as crazy as you think it is because there's a lot of kids out nowadays that just don't know like this like there's a lot crazier artists that you could say like sure as far as our influences or got you into music you know i think really my uh my it's it's mostly just that i think a lot of my fans would be su surprised to hear uh that those are influences of mine or were early purchases of mine uh as somebody who you know was first getting into music and developing his own tastes. Um, but the, um, but I don't think anybody should ever be embarrassed or ashamed of the music they listen to. I don't believe in guilty pleasures, you know? Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think we should, you know, I don't know. I think that everybody should be just, I don't know. We shouldn't criticize each other's tastes. We shouldn't like, I mean, we were saying before uh, we started the, the stream, um, you know, you were talking about all the different types of music that you yourself listen to and have listened to uh, over the course of your life. And like, you know, how you've, you've managed to connect with a lot of different genres. Yep. And I think that if people just like, you know, give you, people give people shit for listening to pop or for listening to hip hop or for listening to country or whatever they themselves don't like and deem a lesser art form than what they themselves like. It just causes people to stay in their lane, so to speak, and never branch out and open their minds to new types of music, which not only limits themselves as an individual with their life experience, but then limits their ability if they themselves want to be musicians to express in ways that are new. Mm -hmm. um, and it stuns us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, 
back when I first started doing live and amplified, I had really come to terms with the idea of, okay, if this grows the way we think it will, or we want it to, we're going to find ourselves in different scenarios at any given point with working with different bands or different musicians. And if we're ever in a social situation where it's like, Oh, Hey, did you hear the latest name any band or, you know, I want to at least be able to know enough to not sound like a mindless idiot that I have no clue what I'm talking about, you know? So like if we're, we're down at a bluegrass festival and they're talking about some, they're talking about bluegrass music. At least I know enough to go down there and be like, okay, you know, they're talking about this song or. You have to be kind of uh, musically worldly. Yeah, absolutely. They're talking about Billy strings. Right. And I, you know, like just stuff like that. So, Mm. um, and so I always wanted to, at least have a baseline knowledge of obviously like so like bluegrass hip-hop and stuff a lot of that is very very commonly threaded but you get into like rock there's like 800 different subgenres where it's like oh well we're black death gore metal you know whatever it is and it's like okay so what's the difference between that and heavy metal like you know just stuff like but you say that to anybody that listens to like death metal and it's like you don't know the difference really i'm like you don't let a uh, si- uh somebody who's into like norwegian satanic black metal catch you uh listening to uh grindcore and calling it death metal pretty much yeah yep that's where i'm at but mm-hmm. you know they just like being able to kind of be in any situation to kind of defend myself or BS my way through the conversation is where I like to be. Yeah. Well, you get to be involved, you know, and if, if, you know, you spend a lot of time talking to musicians about music, then, you know, um, it's good to, you know, be as experienced in all the different types of music that are out there as possible. Yeah, absolutely. So you just released a new album in July, uh, beginning of July. Uh, what what was that whole process like for you? Um, how long had you been working on it? You know, stuff like that. Um, you know, a, a lot of a lot of people, you know, they ask me how long the process is um, and or was, and it's always hard for me to answer that because it really depends on what you consider to be the process. The oldest song on this new album, it's called the Normal Album, uh, just dropped via Satan Records. Uh, you can find it on Spotify and iTunes and all that shit. Um, uh, the oldest songs on there I wrote back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and the newest songs on there I wrote like a month before we recorded. And um, it's it's a collection of songs that I've written and performed and played around with and experimented with over the course of about four years of my life. And I couldn't say that I've been working on this album for four years. Um, yeah. I, I've, I've well, been... When I, and- when I say like working on the album, I mean kind of uh, like when did you concept conceptualize the idea of putting an album together? Yeah, see, that's what I was getting at. Is I think like um, really what um, 
I don't know exactly. Well, that's hard to answer too. It kind of coalesced over time. Um, but I'd say I always had the name, the normal album in my head mm-hmm. as of the last like three years. Um, I just always thought that'd be a fun name, you know, um, just like the white album, the brown album, the normal album. Um, and, uh, you know, and I thought it was uh, a kind of a little bit of a send up is the wrong word, but an acknowledgement of how my previous work is perceived by my fan base um, as work that goes out of its way to be abnormal, um, which it doesn't really. Um, it just goes out of its way to express exactly what I want to express, regardless of how weird that ends up sounding. Um, so I, I had this idea in my head for a while. Um, and, you know, I played around with a couple of different concepts I'd like to mess with. You know, uh, what if I cut a totally pop album and went all the way with the pop sounds for this record and then called it the normal album and then just pushed it as though I and just just tried my best to convince people I had completely sold out, but then put a bunch of subversive, awful lyrics in there. Um, you know, uh, try and like, you know, Trojan horse my satire. Um, but uh, eventually it kind of came down to, I was looking at the, at the songs I'd written over the course of the past few years and I started connecting the dots in my head mm-hmm. and I started lining them up and, you know, uh, like a guy with like a cork board conspiracy uh, uh, sort of thing, you know, one of those uh, rooms from a noir movie um uh you know um single light bulb hanging from the ceiling some guy going wild pinning something to another thing um uh and and eventually i kind of found myself going oh i think i've got it um and i think that that happened um i think that was still happening i was still going through the process of putting the idea of this album as a singular work of art together um, uh, until like a year before we recorded it. Mm-hmm. Maybe even further after that. Yeah. Maybe later than that. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, can't fucking talk. Um, oh, you're good. Uh, I, and so we started crowdfunding for the record uh, about a year ago. Maybe more than that. Jeez. Um, and uh, it's, um, it's been a really involved process. Uh, I was really happy. I was re- really very glad and very fulfilled. And I counted myself very lucky, very grateful to not only have the opportunity to work with all this funding, but also to, to work with all this time. Because um, I've heard it said a thousand times that an artist has their whole life to write their first record and then six months for each subsequent one. And I really felt that way about my first record that I had a whole life of songs that I was able to put on that record. I was able to go through my entire life and say, these are all the best songs I've ever written. And um, in the next one, I had to cobble together in a few months. But because of just how things happened, I didn't hit the studio again until three years after my second record. Um, and three years after my second record came out, four years after I started. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, um, 
it, I, I got to have that experience again. I got to have that sort of, I have a whole life to pick my best songs ever from. Yep. Um, because I really had lived what felt like a whole new life since the second record uh, came out. Um, you know, I, I'm such an, an unbelievably different person than I was at that point in my life. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why I was just like, I just gotta get this fucking record out. Because uh, I can't walk around having people think that the guy from Selfish is the guy that I am now. Um, and uh, so, you know, it was it was a very involved process. And I was, there were a lot of circumstances that led me to be able to do things that I never could have otherwise done. Um, and I am immensely grateful for that. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, so on and so forth. Yeah. No, I got you. Um, did you record the album primarily in New Jersey or where did you record it primarily? Yeah, we recorded in New Jersey. We recorded at Backroom Studios in Rockaway and uh, Ponderosa Studios in Lafayette. Um, okay. Both beautiful studios. The first one uh, I recorded both of my other records at and uh, hopefully subsequent ones as well because I just love the guys who work there and, um, you know, it's home to me. Yeah. And you were, for this album, you were able to do a little bit of work with uh, Matt Squire? Yeah, I did um, I, I did a single with Matt Squire. We recorded it back in 2018, actually. Um, and you can kind of, I think, hear it stylistically. Um, I, I do a lot more, like, breathy Freddie Mercury uh, emulating yeah. type vocals on that record that was, like, kind of a creative direction I was going in at the time we recorded it that I'm just not anymore. And so... Um, because of it, the song really sticks out sonically uh, and in style. Um, and that also comes from just the unique production of, uh, you know, uh, uh, of Matt Squire, um, the unique production of Matt Squire. Matt Squire's unique production uh, and his unique creative sensibilities. Um, he was a real pleasure to work with. He's a really nice guy and uh, definitely made us feel right at home. You know, we went in there expecting, uh, me and the band, uh, we went in there expecting like, uh, hot shot music studio with some dude in a suit breathing down our necks um but no it was a barn yeah uh it was a barn out in out in suburban uh maryland yeah. and uh and and he it, it uh, was perfect for what you needed it, it yeah it was um and it was really homey it was very comfortable and uh you know it was it was a really cool experience nice. um and uh, uh, I hope I get the chance to work with him again. Um, yeah. yeah. That, that sounds, you know, that's really awesome. Like, I, I'm still relatively new to the whole recording process as far as, like, how bands go about it. But, you know, like, being able to bring in, like, guest producers and stuff like that, that's really cool and makes a lot of sense. So were you originally, what song was it that Matt, and you worked on together specifically? Uh, we did a track called Love Me Normally. Um, okay. Was the original idea for that to be its own standalone single, or was it just you had an opportunity to work with him and it was like... Um, it, was, it was intended to be its own single, um, and, it does, and it was later released as its own single, but um, it... All right, so at the time, I had this idea in my head that I was gonna play the game, um, you know, the, the music industry game. 
Um, I had a, I had a manager, I had a lawyer, um, you know, uh, we were seeking an agent, you know, and, and we were looking at contracts and we had this producer, uh, and this manager was like, Hey, I can get you in the room with this, you know, huge multi-platinum producer, which is very exciting. Um, and, uh, and, you know, of course I took that opportunity. Um, and I'm, I'm so glad that I did. I had a, had a great experience and the song turned out great, but, um, or at least Matt Squire sounded great. Um, uh, yeah, no, Will, God forbid that you express satisfaction with your own work. The song sounds great. Um, but, um, uh, I, once again, I've, I've destroyed my train of thought through self-deprecation. I, oh, yeah. I managed to, uh, to beat myself up and then win the fight. What was it? Um, uh, come on, uh, come back, thought. Um, you were talking about what? You were talking about how you're playing the game. Thank you. Thank you. You were you were having a lawyer that got you in the room with Matt Squire. I had the manager get me in the room with Matt Squire. Yeah, okay. and and then I had to hire a lawyer, and there was all this money being thrown around, and these contracts being thrown around, and talk of points and back ends and front ends and who fucking it yeah. it was this weird moment in my life where i was really just leaning into the grandiosity uh that is you know hard to separate from uh pursuing a career in the arts yeah um but I just, I started to develop this delusion in my head that I would play the game. And if I played the game, I would make it to the top. Um, despite the fact that I knew in my heart of hearts that anybody who sets you aside and says, you know, you're my favorite client. You know, you're the most talented guy on my roster. Mm -hmm. You know, I believe in you. I think we can really make something here. You want to see your name in lights, kids? Stick with me. You got Spunk, you got Moxie, yeah. you know. Uh-uh, you can't, you know, because there's no game for me to play. I yeah. am the game that they're playing. Um, and um, no matter how friendly they are or how nice they genuinely are as a person and how well-intended they might actually be. Yeah. You start playing the game, you start having to, having to deal with athletes. Yep. And these yep. people know what they're doing. Um, yep. And that's not me disparaging any of the people I worked with. Matt Squire is awesome. He's a great yeah. guy and I loved working with him and um, I hope to work with him again. My point is simply that, you know, you start talking to lawyers and people's managers, yeah. people who you never see their face, you only ever hear their voice or see them their words in writing uh, with an email that has like a confidentiality notice at the bottom or a contract with a thousand pages. Um, yeah. It's intimidating and it's, so I had this, this, uh, this delusion of grandiosity at the time. And I started to have this idea, well, you know, if I get a single with this multi-platinum producer, yeah. you know, any label will want me. Any of the majors will start kicking down my door any day now, you know? And I'll just have, I'll just sit here and uh, await fame and fortune. Yeah. And they'll whisk me away to Hollywood. And, uh, pfft, you know, yeah. it's, it's nonsense. Um, and, uh, so, so it was intended, honestly, that single was intended as uh, a tool. We wanted, I wanted to use it as something to, you know, 
push my career forward with. I wanted this track that um, I could use to show the world, look at me, I'm Will Wood, I'm, I'm a hotshot, big deal now. Um, and uh, I'm glad that those feelings went into that song because I think that that song then captures that fish out of water experience that I had, um, that in over my head, uh, you know, treading water, other water metaphors. Um, you know, that experience I had where I was really trying to be something that I wasn't yeah. uh, and trying to play this game that was not for me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, and I think you can kind of hear it in my performance there that I'm taking on this grandiose over the top caricature of myself with this, you know, these, these Freddie Mercury style trills and sighs and, you know, uh, and it's, um, and, and it, I think it does a good job uh, capturing therefore a lot of the tone of the album that uh, tongue in cheek reappropriation of the hallmarks of genres that are now considered to be dead, unpopular or ridiculous. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, because we start, we did this sort of like 50s nostalgia by way of 80s nostalgia sound to it. Mm. Um, and then, um, and then I kind of got into the vocal booth and made fun of myself. And so, um, you know, uh, the, but to answer your question, finally, um, okay. no, we did intend it as a single. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, we had big ideas for how we were going to use it as a single. Mm -hmm. Eventually it came down to, I can't sit around waiting to, to have somebody knock, knock on my door yeah. and offer me a 360 deal or whatever they talk about in the music industry. I can't sit around just assuming that now that I've got good credits associated with me, that now I'm going to be some hot shot. Yeah. I, I can't expect the world to come to me and I'm not, I'm not. You, still, you still got to get out there and do the legwork and right. get and, code. And you know, when I had these professionals I was working with, once again, not Matt Squire, I'm not naming any names. There have been a few people who have caused trouble for me. That's the music industry that happens. Yeah. Um, the only reason I bring that up is because I don't want there to ever be anybody hearing this and thinking that I'm talking about the people who I genuinely, truly uh, have yeah. enjoyed and benefited from working with, um, yeah. you know, uh, All right. Matt Squire's awesome um yeah i just say that because you know what what am i gonna do i'm gonna sit here and pretend the, that i'm gonna am i gonna sit here and act like the music industry isn't full of vultures of course yeah. they are. of course well, vultures. that the vultures say it too yeah um, that's the one thing that drives me nuts about the music industry nowadays because i had this brush I, like you I'm not going to name any names, mainly because I can't remember half of the names because it pissed me off so much. I just forgot about them. Yeah. But I was in this situation where I was following a band around. They were going on a tour. They were mm -hmm. a punk band and they were going on tour. And so we had this idea of doing a documentary series called Tour or about touring, like independent mm -hmm. bands touring and that sort of deal. And so my dad was the financial backer for this project and he was like okay but if you're going to do it i want people to sign agreements contracts you know all that stuff and i was like what people's word isn't good enough anymore and he's like no unfortunately in this world nobody's word is good is it nobody's word is good anymore 
No. And I'm like, well, that sucks because anytime I say I'm going to do something, I do it. But if I can't trust that these people aren't going to do what they say they're going to do, why do I want to even work with them? And it's like, I'm not saying that they're not going to do what you want to do or what they say they're going to do. I'm just saying we need to have it in writing. Yeah. And so just to, just to kind of spite him, I drafted up a contract called the handshake agreement form because uh-huh. apparently nobody's word means shit anymore. Was like, so it was like the title and then like a subtitle. And then I, you know, all the legalese bullshit. They signed it. And what would happen during this? One of the band members would quit mid tour. And then about a week after the tour, he messaged me on Facebook and was like, Hey, if you put me in that documentary, my dad said he would take you to court. And I'm like, I have a form right here that says you gave me permission. And he's like, yeah, but we could still fight it. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm not going to deal with all this bullshit because I don't got the money to be dealing with a high priced LA attorney. So whatever, you know, that's obnoxious, you know, but it's, it's funny. Um, I, uh, I spoke to this uh, licensing and publishing guy once. Yeah. And he kept saying, like he said it like 80 times over the course of this conversation. A verbal, agree- a, a, <clears throat> a verbal agreement is as good as the paper it's written on. And, you know, it's, it's disheartening mm-hmm. that w- one has to be so cynical in order to get by in the industry. Yeah. But you gotta be so careful because there really are there there are people out there like like this guy that you worked with, um, you know, um, yeah. People's word doesn't mean shit. I don't know if it ever did. You know, you, you say doesn't mean shit anymore. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it ever did. But um, I mean, because I grew up very like I grew up on the south side of Chicago, and uh-huh. this was maybe just people hanging out on the street or hanging out on the schoolyard or hanging out wherever, if you said you were going to do something and you didn't do it, oh, you're just a bitch. It's essentially what you got labeled. And so I grew up in an environment where there's only two things that I have complete control of or that I own Mm -hmm. my word and my balls, and I'm not going to break them for anyone. A little Scarface reference for you. Right and on. so that was very much um, how it was growing up in the South Side of Chicago. So I parlay that into everything that I do. And unfortunately, nobody, not a lot of people t- uh, will take my, or the, apparently my word, or nobody's word means shit anymore. So yeah. Yeah. Um... That's a uh, part of the game, I guess. It's just yeah. what it comes down to. Um, but, but you know, um, another another side tangent to go down and to kind of yeah. digest. Um, I, uh, but yeah, the um, uh, the idea um, that I was working with all of these professionals, and mm-hmm. a lot of them were telling me, "You just you gotta wait." You gotta wait until the right time to put out the single. You gotta wait until you got a major label back in it. You gotta wait. And 
a year passed and my career stagnated. I mean, like you can see it on analytical graphs of my fucking merch sales, mm -hmm. the way my career stagnated during that time. Um, and, um, and I couldn't take it anymore. I, I, my career stagnated, my income stagnated, um, and I as an individual became stagnant. Um, and I wanted, I, I needed to get it out. I couldn't keep waiting around and I couldn't keep, uh, I couldn't keep these feelings bottled up and I couldn't stay the person I was on my second record any longer. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I've got this single by this amazing producer and I was gonna try and sell it to a label, but fuck a label. Labels aren't coming around sniffing. You know, I end up, I, I don't want some fucking, I don't wanna be on some big label probably. I don't know, nobody's offering. Somebody offered, I probably would love it. But my point is, um, you know, nobody's coming sniffing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to a small label. I'm gonna talk to a label where there's a face I can see and a hand I can shake and a person I know who I can talk to. So I'm working with day 10 records and Adam is great. And I, instead of selling it to, you know, trying to rather sell it to some hotshot label, I instead sold it to my fans. Yeah. And I told my fans, I've got this single by this, you know, producer who did a lot of what I know are some people's favorite records, you know, uh, some of the biggest records that came out in the aughts were all Matt Squire records. Um, and you know, I was able to say, listen guys, I can promise you it's gonna be good. Uh, Matt Squire did it, 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 can't, yeah. it can't suck. Um, and uh, so I sold it to them instead. I said, listen, uh, you know, throw me some cash and I'll give you some stuff in return. I'll give yeah. you a pre-order of the record. I'll give you it signed. I'll give you, I, 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 I actually sold a cut of its, um, uh, of its profits to one fan. Um, you know, I, I, I ran this huge crowdfunding campaign. It was, you know, it ended up all working out uh, honestly phenomenally because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't be more satisfied with where I am right now. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and because of how everything went. And while there was like a difficult and confusing journey uh, to get to where I ended up, um, you know, where I ended up was definitely uh, where I needed to end up. Yeah, absolutely. So now that the al or now that the album's out and it's been out for it'll be about a month come Saturday, right? Does that sound about right? Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, somewhere in there. Yeah, I I've lost complete track of the concept of time like i have no idea yeah it could be yesterday right now and yeah I know. <laughs> yeah absolutely so what's kind of the plan moving forward from here um obviously you're not doing a bunch of live shows and what have you but are you already starting to work towards like more singles writing recording what's kind of the plan moving forward well right now i um uh, right now i'm focusing on uh, my Patreon. Um, the vast majority of my career takes place on Patreon. And if you're not familiar or whoever's listening right now isn't familiar, um, Patreon is this social media platform where artists set up their profile and uh, create content for you via subscription. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so you pledge a certain amount a month and based on how much you pledge to that artist, that artist gives you different benefits, different types of content. Um, and uh, uh, I've become very invested in Patreon uh, as a concept, as a company mm-hmm. uh, and as a way of work. And I've been, I've been on Patreon for a few years now and as of late, it's, be kind of, it's kind of become my main focus because I, mm. I can't go on tour. I can't go out and play yeah. shows. Um, and uh, I really enjoy doing it. So most of my focus is on Patreon and things that I can give to my Patreon members. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of writing and a lot of art and working on new video projects, uh, you know, um, that are uh, behind the scenes video uh, content and um, uh, and and I just started building this home studio. Um, it's very, it's very YouTuber, but um, you know, it's it's what I was able to cobble together, um, or what I've been able to cobble together so far. Um, you say it's very YouTuber. It looks very Twitch. Does Twitch it live streamer? Yeah, more Twitch. I don't know. I've never I've I've never been on Twitch before. Um, it, yeah. That's kind of what, that's kind of the background that uh, like Twitch video game streamers use is they put the soundboard up and they try and make some kind of unique uh, design with it. it oh, yeah. So, um, I, uh, well, I, um, so uh, you're, you're yeah. heavily invested in Patreon as a company, as a platform. I love Patreon. I love working with Patreon. I love the people at Patreon. Um, and I, I, I love being a Patreon creator. And so um, I've been focusing on that a lot. It allows me the freedom to uh, experiment with new types of self-expression, new art forms. I do a zine, uh, uh, a, a monthly like art and writing zine um, called The Prescription, where ugh, it's, it's art, it's graphic design and, and uh, prose. And, uh, you know, I send that out to members and I, um, you know, I give them music ahead of time and building this home studio, I'm going to start working on demos that I can show Patreon members too. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. And the hope is to be able to, you know, really because of COVID, I have to be working from home. I have to be focusing all my work on the internet. Um, and so, um, I'm, you know, I'm focusing on that and I'm expanding my Patreon and, um, some really big stuff is going to be going on there soon. And, um, I, you know, at least for Patreon members, I think there'll be rel- there'll be new music relatively soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, a new album. <sighs> I know my next record, it's, it, as, as far as I know, there will not be another record, you know, okay. just yeah. like, oh my God, it, forget about it. I can't even think about it, but, um, because I still feel like I'm not done putting this one out. Okay. Um, I gotcha. You know, I'm, I'm still on the PR circuit. I'm still, um, uh, promoting it. I'm still paying really close attention to the numbers and everything. You're trying to let this one live its best life. Yeah. That was a really weird, weird statement to make, but no, it's I know really what active. you mean though. It's got to yeah. breathe. It's got to yeah. grow up on its own. It's got to develop its own relationship with the public. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, so, um, so that's uh, what's, what's next is, uh, you know, um, I'm playing it by ear. You know, just trying to get by, um, trying to keep a roof over my head and uh, trying to keep finding new ways to uh, uh, get the 
that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Get the voices out of your head a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, Patreon has been on our radar for a while. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things for us. I don't know how we monitor use Patreon because a lot of the content that we're creating isn't a hundred percent ours. So like if we're working with an artist and we're recording with them, mm-hmm. obviously we don't own the rights to that music. Yeah. We recorded it, but it's not our music to give away. So it's like, okay, we can put that into a Patreon thing, but we're going to have to give a cut of that to the musicians plus what, you know, so just trying to make everything work. I mean, do you, do you offer like recording services or do you mean? We we do a lot. We do live recording sessions. So basically, basically it's live. And as of right now, and if I have my way, it'll remain this way. Our live recording sessions are free. Mm. So it's really meant for like really independent musicians that are going day by day or they can't afford to get into the studio or they're just getting started you know like think of 800 different scenarios that's what this is meant for right and i see what yeah that's a hard situation yeah yeah. and like i mean right now we've gotten into it uh we've started launching off our website selling like digital eps so we we do like a jam session, which is anywhere from four to six songs, which is perfect for a digital EP. And so now once we do that, we ask the artist like, Hey, do you want to do a little distribution deal with this? We'll put it up on our website. We'll give you a majority of the percentage. And then we'll just take like 10 or 15% for our fees. And so in that way, everybody's making money off of this. So you're like starting to kind of go into the direction of like uh, building from the ground up your own sort of DIY label. Yeah, pretty. except I like to think of it more as I, I want to stay more in the realm of A&R because I completely mm-hmm. understand not everybody wants to do the label thing. They want to stay independent. Right. But we also want to make sure that anybody that comes and works with us that we're able to help them develop as an artist, whether that means, okay, well, I don't know anything about social media or I don't know anything about booking tours or I don't, you know, just kind of trying to help them become complete artists and developing them. Mm. Because some musicians, they're very old school. They want the record label and the record deal. Some don't. Some just want a distribution deal. So we're trying to figure out a way we can stay in all those lanes and still have, like, I guess ultimately we're looking at doing something like giving musicians all the benefits of having a record deal without the blood sucking contracts. Right. So going back to the I hate contracts yeah that's cool man yeah Uh, but so that's what we're working on and we've been looking at patreon at least initially to kind of help us um get or get some funding going right except like i'd mentioned i don't know where we'd begin on that 
So yeah, I don't know either. Um, we'll figure it out though. Um, yeah, Patreon's a great way of of doing things. It's a great business model. I recommend it to pretty much everyone, and I don't just mean like pretty much art, every artist I know. Like whenever somebody is like, "Ah, oh, I don't know, I'm having financial troubles," I'm like, "You should start a Patreon." And like, yeah. for what? And I'm just like, I don't know. Just put something just, up. Just, just do it. When just actually, do, extra five bucks a month even can help. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's and the crazy thing is, is there's a musician that we work with. She's based out of Santa Fe, New Mexico. She started a Patreon mainly for her music, but she was also doing like some modeling stuff on the side. And so she started introducing some of her modeling stuff into the Patreon. Hmm. And now like within the last, especially during COVID over the last three months, I want to say she's almost tripled her Patreon subscribers. So like she started off just doing mainly music and then over the last month she started slowly introducing some of her modeling stuff and it's like tripled in the matter of three months it's like holy crap and she went from making like 200 bucks a month and now she makes like seven or eight like wow. depend, you know depending on some serious growth yeah wow. and it's just like dang like that seven or eight hundred dollars that would save anybody's life you know just that that's nothing to sneeze at you know yeah no the whole patreon system works pretty i make i essentially make my whole living on patreon yeah so like it's it's definitely a system that uh i really think that a lot of the art world is going to go in that direction um you know i i don't know how many times i can read the same article from a music publication saying here's how crowdfunding is changing the face of the music industry. And they've been doing that since like 2011 or whatever. Um, but it's definitely true. I think that uh, services like Patreon are going to really be a big part of how the arts work in the coming years. Uh, for, who knows from here on out? Because people need to be their own bosses as artists, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. They need to, because you know, labels aren't sending out talent scouts, you know, um, people aren't, you know, these, these big companies, they don't need to go out looking for talent. They've got a thousand arms and tendrils spread throughout the upper echelons of society yeah. where there's always somebody's sister. And, um, and, and this thing called Google. Right. Yeah. And, and so, I, I mean, I, I, well, well, what I'm saying is that like people, uh, what, in, you, they have to be their own talent agent and they have to be their own manager and then they have to be their own label. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, sites like Patreon, I know there are some others that work similarly, but mainly Patreon is, is I think, at the forefront of it. Um, of course they are. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's definitely helping artists to do that, to really be their own bosses and find their own way um and support themselves and you know all, all while developing the relationship with their fan base in a really unique way so um i love that i love it yeah absolutely absolutely um so obviously with the whole covid situation you haven't been doing a lot of shows and whatnot um have you been doing anything to kind of challenge yourself musically well, I mean, I have done some shows. I've done live stream performances, and that's okay. one of the things I offer on my Patreon is exclusive live stream performances. Um, but to challenge myself musically, um, 
I play ukulele uh, now more than ever. Mm. And I know people see the ukulele as like a toy instrument. Yeah. Um, I'm a pianist. I've been playing piano for 20 years. Um, and, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm pretty good at it. And um, so I felt like, you know, I, I, I think something that's challenging me as an artist is essentially changing my focus uh, as an instrumentalist from piano to ukulele. And I know people see it as a toy instrument, but, you know, the strings on a guitar, there are too many of them. There are too many strings and they're too close together. And I, 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 don't, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do that. But a ukulele, um, you know, I know what you're thinking. Ukulele is tiny. What do you mean? Strings are even close together on that. I play a baritone ukulele, which uh, is much more spread out. It's a very different sounding and looking instrument than what yeah. my, the, most people think of when they think they, ukulele. They think of the small little ukulele and you're just kind of grass strumming back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, most people, most people mistake it for a guitar when they see it. Um, the baritone ukulele. Yeah. And, um, and it's become a great songwriting tool. Um, my style of writing has changed immensely since I started taking that on. Um, and uh, so that's one of the things I've been doing to challenge myself creatively is, you know, uh, try and develop a type of skill with a type of instrument that isn't often seen. You know, um, you don't see a lot of good baritone ukulele players. You don't see a lot of good, you don't see a lot of baritone ukulele players. Um, and so I'm trying to get good at the baritone ukulele. I'm trying to ex uh, expand my songwriting style. Um, you know, I'm trying out uh, different chord voicings and sounds than I've ever used before and uh, listening to new types of music and trying to really challenge myself and step out of my comfort zone as a songwriter. Uh, try and find out what really the most distilled, true, honest version of my creative voice is if mm -hmm. I really dig down deep into my guts and pull out my feelings. Yeah. Um, you know, so, um, there's all that and I'm trying to make art every day um, sure. and trying to find, you know, uh, it's one of the, it's another one of the great things about Patreon is because it's got this monthly structure, this subscription structure, there's yeah. a constant drive, there's a constant demand, there's always something going, come up with something new, make something new, you have to, and so you have to keep moving, and so you always have to be like thinking uh, at your most innovative, um, you know, and so you know, I'm always, you know, in this headspace where it's like, what can I do that's new? What can I do that's, that challenges me, that uh, can interest people, can attract new people or keep, you know, uh, existing members around? So there's a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm doing right now that's going to, I think, in the future, really change the face of uh, what I do and what, you know, uh, yeah, uh, what I do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you brought up the baritone uke. Mm -hmm. I never realized how versatile the just the ukulele is. Because mm -hmm. uh, was it two years ago, we went to a bluegrass festival. And there was somebody playing a bass uke, like an upright bass uke. And then Whoa. he was like, I was like, I'd never seen anything like that. He's like, Oh, yeah, they got all kinds of different ukuleles. They got a resonator uke, they got a banjo uke, they got, you know, and just like started rattling off all this stuff. And I'm like, wait what and he blew my mind and i'm like there there's all these different type of instruments that you can get as a ukulele and he's like yeah you pretty much get anything you could think of you could probably find it somewhere and i'm like sweet uh, i'll have yeah. to look into it so 
Well, it's it's definitely it's I love ukulele. It's such a it's such a a, a pleasure to play. Um, it's it like hits that sweet spot between uh, ease and difficulty, mm. where I find myself comfortable while challenging myself. Um, and and there really are yeah I've I've taken a look I've scoured Amazon for all these different types of ukuleles out there. I've yeah. like I've almost clicked the buy now button at a, on a banjo ukulele like four times, um, and uh, so yeah I I, I think um, you know it is it it is a a very easy instrument to become um, uh, relatively proficient with, um, yeah. you know, especially if you're just planning on singing and accompanying yourself. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's because of that, that ukulele manufacturers have been down to like try all kinds of crazy stuff because people who just want to try something new, you know, oh sure, I'll try a bass ukulele, you know, I'm, it won't be that hard to learn probably, you know, yeah. maybe actually, I don't know, maybe bass ukulele is just as hard as regular bass because regular bass also has four strings. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and th this is like a upright bass ukulele. Oh, so upright. Holy. Yeah, like an upright yeah. bass uke. And so like the guy that was playing it, he was like, yeah, this is just so much easier to tour with. Like, because he used to, but like when we'd go to that festival before, he'd always bring his big old upright bass. And he's like, huh. yeah, this thing's such a pain in the ass to haul around and go yeah. on planes with. That one day I saw this at Guitar Center or wherever picked it up and now it's so much easier to tour and it's like yeah but there's gotta be like a little bit of a give and take with the sound right he's like i mean there is but you know what we lose i gain on not being dead getting to a show because i gotta carry yeah. around this big ass upright you know? yeah my um my bassist he he plays this really in interesting upright um that's just the neck. Okay. It's just the neck and strings. Okay. Uh, it's an it's an electric upright. Yeah. But you know it's built in a way where you get the same sound essentially as an acoustic yeah. upright. Um, but you can also get the sounds of a fretless bass guitar. Yeah. Um, and it you could have all that and have it be like 15, 20 pounds, um, yeah. which is really cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but I don't want to take too much more of your time because I just realized what time it was and um, what what's kind of obviously the Patreon is where you're focusing. What do you hope um, people take away from the album that maybe haven't listened to it yet? Um, it's hard to say. I I hope people take away from the album. I hope people, I hope people, I hope that anyone, even one or two people, um, find comfort and inspiration uh, in that record. And those people are the kind of people that I was when I first uh, I hope that that 
that the people who needed something like this find it. Because when I'm writing, sometimes I find myself writing the thing that I wish someone else had written when I needed to hear it. Um, lessons that I've learned that I can then say, hey, this is what I learned and it helped me, you know? So I'm hoping that there are people out there who find something they needed in it, or at least find something they really wanted. I don't know. I don't know how to say it in a way that doesn't sound grandiose, mm -hmm. but I, I, I hope that, that people are moved by it. I hope that people are inspired by it or comforted by it um, or find some solace in it because there's, because um, it hurts a lot to feel alone, uh, to feel like you're too weird for the world. You know, I feel like you weren't programmed for the world the way it is, or like it wasn't programmed with you in mind. Um, and to feel like you're the only one of your kind. Um, and I know that there are other people out there who feel that way. I think we all feel that way sometimes. Um, and that's what the record is about, is feeling that way. And the ways in which I've felt that way and what I've gone through and what I've learned in my experiences, feeling those ways, feeling like I didn't belong, feeling like uh, I never could, feeling like I'm too weird, like I didn't even earn it. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, um, I'm not sure what I'm saying. I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is that there are people out there who are just like me. I don't know all of them. I don't know many of them. I'm not entirely sure if I know any of them, but there are people out there who need just what I need and who feel just how I feel. And I really hope that this reaches those people and says, hey man, I'm here too. And, um, and I know that there are, that, yeah, I, I guess that's what it is. I guess, I hope, I hope that my screaming into the void gets a little bit of a hello back. Um, and that listening to this record makes other people who feel just a little bit too weird a little bit better about being as weird as they are um learning to accept themselves or whatever mm. obviously i can't do that for anybody i'm nobody's therapist and i'm certainly no expert um i didn't finish college let alone get some degree in mental health care or something you know yeah. I, I don't really know what i'm talking about i guess i just I just want people to, um, I hope it works. Mm -hmm. I hope that it, it makes people feel good. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got you. No, I 100% get you. I completely understand. You, you know, it, it's, that's always a really complicated question for me to ask because it's such a left field question. Like not everybody knows you know like it, it's just such a complex question and i appreciate you taking the time to work through it and answer it yeah i i hope i've answered it i'm still not sure if i have 
No, I think you have. I could um, also pontificate for hours about all of the uh, uh, the social commentary positions I fuck around with or explore in on the record. Um, you know, I could say I want people to think about their lives. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I want people to be moved, moved in whatever way, whether it's moved emotionally or moved intellectually or just moved to move. Yeah. You know. Um, that's what I hope people get out of it, whatever they need. I got you. Per that's perfect. That's the perfect way to end it. Cool. Um, so where can everybody find you online? Where can they find your Patreon, the album, you know, all the, all the corporate fun stuff. Um, you can find me on patreon.com slash the real will wood. Um, that's uh, patreon.com slash the real will wood. And you don't need to know anything else. It's the only one I care about. Okay. Fuck Facebook, fucking Instagram. I'm not. You know, let my. I've got a social media manager who does the Instagram stuff. Let him. I'll let him do the promo of the Instagram and shit. Um, gotcha. Awesome. That's perfect. Official on Instagram. Fine. Okay. I think I'm on TikTok too, but I don't even know. Um, <laughs> so, but Patreon. Find me on Patreon. Google me. I could. I could see you 100 percent on TikTok doing the random TikTok dances. I think uh, that would be epic. Oh, oh I. <sighs> Deliver me. Save me. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Um, gotcha. But once again, I want to thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. I really um, appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys later. Thanks, man. Have a good